Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... In the Bible, being a good example is actually quite common. Being called for all of us to be called an example is good. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're all called to be examples to one another. Now here's something you might want to write down. You ready? You don't have to be perfect to be an example. As you know, human beings can be messy. Not one person other than Jesus has ever lived a perfect life. We frequently mess up and create problems for ourselves and for others. Though we continue to fail, Pastor Jim tells us today that it doesn't mean we can't be an example to others. We have the opportunity to turn our problems into an amazing story when we repent of our sins and ask for God's forgiveness and His help cleaning up our lives. Then we are often in a position to help others who are also struggling. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part 3 of his message entitled, Leading God's Flock. The church needs leaders who are desiring the glory of God. And that's a desire, loved ones, that needs to be in all of us. We need to desire the glory of God. I've said before, I'll say it again, that's why we went through all of this trouble to start a radio station. That's why we started a radio show, not for us, for others. And when we desire the glory of God, it will produce a Holy Spirit willingness and eagerness in all of us and here in the leaders to serve the church. Number three, God's leaders are entrusted to lead. Entrusted to lead. I never... I never want God to say to me, Jim, I trusted you with those people and you were irresponsible with it. I never want that. Verse 3, nor as being lords, little l, punk lords, right? Remember little g, gods in the Bible, punk gods. Not as being lords, some versions say not lording it over, not domineering over those entrusted to you. Being a leader is a God-given responsibility. But, contrast, I don't want you to lord it over people, God says, but I want you to be examples to the flock. Peter is saying to them, this is a sacred and holy calling. Whereas in verse 2, he dealt more with our inward thinking. Here in verse 3, he's talking more about our outward behavior. What is he saying? Be an example to the people in the church. Don't abuse the authority that I've given to you. You see, in the Bible, the authority of church leaders is real. Well, it should be in the, in the church, right? But it's important to remember that leaders are under the Lord's authority. It is something that we have been entrusted with. This is a trust that the Lord Jesus gives to church leaders and oppressively lording it over people is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And if somebody abusively and oppressively lorded over to you 
please understand this. If they have not repented before God, and you'll know they have when they seek to find you, okay, the thundering judgment of God will be upon them. God does not appreciate when he allows people to oversee his flock and they abuse the privilege. Unacceptable. Should we hold up standards for service? Yes. Yes. I mean, our parking lot can be a little rough, right? It can be a little rough. And if you're new here, you're like, this is all the parking we have. We have a whole bunch of lots, but trying to get the sheep into the different parking pens is not always that easy. (laughs) Well, what would happen if those guys showed up an hour after the service started? That wouldn't work, right? Some of you have kids in the children's ministry. How would that work if they showed up an hour after the service started? I mean, you'd walk in there and you're like, oh, three of the kids are dead. What happened, man? <laughs> right? Because they got strangled because they took something out of a three-year-old's hand. Right? <laughs> of course, there has to be standards. Your work has standards, don't they? I hope they do. Or find another job because you won't be employed very long. Now, can we have to be careful how much we take on as a church? Of course we do. We get billions of great ideas. It's not billions, but it seems like it. We get tons of great ideas. But if we undertake every idea, you know what will happen? We'll bury ourselves and we'll bury you. We'll just be like these Christians on a treadmill, like a hamster or something like that. We'll have no time for anything else. So there has to be standards. There has to be care in what we do. But that's not what Peter's talking about. I think in Mark 10, really, Jesus helps us sort this out. They're walking along, and, and James and John are like, hey, you know, when you come in glory and you set up your kingdom, you know, you're on the throne. Can we sit on the right and the left, right? And the other 10 apostles are what? They're mad that those two guys would ask that. Now, do you know why they were mad? Because they didn't ask first, right? <laughs> they were mad, and Jesus says this, Mark 10, 42, He says, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, now that remember we said that word in the Bible can be non-Jews or unbelieving people, but those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Who is he talking to? The guys who become the leaders and founders of the first century church. He's saying to them, you don't lead my people by lording it over them. You're not over the people. You are a supporter of the people. You're not running around barking at everybody what to do. You're helping them to do what God has called them to do. And sometimes that means you just lay off, right? And you just let them figure it out. Now notice he says that the leaders are to be examples to the flock. Now in America, we sort of don't like to talk about that. You know, we're just like, well, you know, especially even in the church, we're like, well, we're all sinners and there's no good examples. And, and we don't believe anybody really can have honest and good intentions because why would anybody with honest and good intentions do anything to help anybody other than themselves? But in the Bible... In the Bible, being a good example is actually quite common. Being called for all of us to be called an example is good. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're all called to be examples to one another. 
Now, here's something you might want to write down. You ready? You don't have to be perfect to be an example. Mm, a lot of eyes popping on that one. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect to be an example. Now, for a leader, Peter's saying here that this is not optional. Rather, being an example is a major challenging responsibility of the office. So if you're not used to failing as an example and telling God that you failed and telling other people that you failed, you're probably not a leader because that's going to be a regular part. You know, some people say, well, you know, the pastor could never do anything wrong. I'm like, don't talk to my wife, right? <laughs> okay? because, because that's ridiculous. Peter's saying here, don't enter the ministry because you want to be the boss. Don't enter the ministry because you want the perks. Don't enter the ministry because you want the prestige. Enter the ministry if you want to model Jesus Christ to people. You, you say, well, that's absolutely impossible. Nobody could be like him. I agree with you there. However, I will say this. All of us can model Jesus' servant's heart, can't we? All of us can especially leaders, you want to be a leader, you better get used to taking blame for things that are not your fault. You say, does that ever happen to you, Pastor Jim? I say, rarely, I would tell you, rarely a week goes by where I don't take blame for something that's not my fault. Not that I'm lying about it, it's just like, you know what, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. How can you model Jesus' servant heart? You serve your critics. You serve your critics. Anybody who steps out to lead or to do something worthwhile in life is going to have critics. That's just the reality of it. That's just the reality of it. And serving your critics or taking the blame for something that wasn't your fault, isn't that what happened on the cross? Jesus took the blame for something that wasn't his, his fault. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of humility and strength. Why is this all so important? Because church leaders sometimes have to show people how to live. And sometimes we have to tell people how to live. And I'm going to tell you something that's really a struggle for me, guys. This is really a struggle for me. It's hard for me to know if we're asking too much of people or asking too little of people. I mean, I look at this crazy, busy lifestyle that we're in up here, and then I you know, look at how busy we all are and how expensive everything is and stuff like that. And I think, oh, we're asking too much. And then I go read books and blog posts about what other churches ask of people. And I think, oh, we're asking too little. So, so, so I really don't know. But I think particularly that passage in Genesis, if you're familiar with it, where Jacob is coming back home and he's, he's a shepherd and he's got his family, his little kids and his flocks with him. And his brother Esau comes riding out and he says, come on, man, let's rush back home. We'll have a big party. And the difference is this. Jacob is a shepherd and Esau is a cowboy. Jacob is leading the flocks and Esau is driving. He's a very, very hard driven guy. And, and to be a leader, you've got to be hard driven for sure. But you have to, you can't expect everybody else to be as hard driven as you are. And so I, I'm learning, I've learned and I'm learning over the years that leaders in the church are shepherds, they're not cowboys. What are shepherds doing? Shepherds are out leading, they're out in front of the flock. They are the ones that are facing the wolves. They are the ones that are facing the attackers. 
They are the ones that are making sure that the path is clear. And what are cowboys? They're the guys shooting their guns off from behind, right? They're like, drive, drive, drive. And they're like, you know what? If we lose a few cattle along the way, what's the big deal? We have plenty. And, you know, I think one of the ways we could read a lot of books on this stuff and, and we can, it's, it's a lot of trial and error, but I think more than anything else, we learn in this by watching people. This is more caught than taught. We watch people who are out there in front leading the flock and they're often being blamed for things and, and they're having trouble with things, but they don't stop. They stay at it. Hebrews 13, 17, we'll have to talk about it next week because this week we're talking about being shepherds and next week we're talking about being sheep. And, and Hebrews 13, 17, I can't believe how many pastors use this as a guilt-producing verse. It says this, Obey those who rule over you. So talking to the people in the church about the pastors and be submissive. Okay, fine. But listen to what he says next. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Man, I'm terrified of that. And the reason I'm terrified of it is I have to give an account for the souls of the people that are regularly here to God, which means that a lot of things that people want me to do for them, I won't be able to do. I'll have to say no, and they'll be upset with me because I won't be able to give an account for everybody's souls. I'll only be able to give an account for a handful. It says, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, I don't think we should read the Bible so much for other people as we should read it for ourselves. We read the Bible and we let the Bible read us. So here it is for me. I have to watch out for your souls as someone who has to give an account. The reality is some people will follow the Word of God. In this church, most people follow the Word of God. Some people will completely disregard it and disobey it, but leaders have to remember that they are part of the flock entrusted to them. And I'll tell you this. If you're following hard after the Lord, I am so happy for you and I love you with, you couldn't imagine. If you're not following the Lord and your life is a mess, I'll love you more than you could imagine. <laughs> you say, how do you explain that? I can't. I can't. Number four. Well, first, number one was God's leaders are exhorted to lead. Two, eager to lead. Three, entrusted to lead. Number four, encouraged to lead. We have to move quickly here. Verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, talking about Jesus' second coming, you, having led faithfully, will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, without a doubt, Jesus of Nazareth was a strong leader. I mean, I hear a lot of people, they talk about, oh, I love the way Jesus taught. He was so kind and so loving. He was never mean to anybody, never got in anybody's faces. And I'm like, you've never read the Bible, have you? They go, no. Jesus was a to-the-point teacher who rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Jesus was very tough with the proud. He was very tough with the ultra-religious, yet he was very kind and compassionate with the sick and the weak and those who were learning or trying to learn. Jesus sacrificed himself for all the ones that were entrusted to him by his heavenly Father, yet, even though he sacrificed himself, he was never afraid to lead them. Never afraid to lead them. 
nor was Jesus ever above doing what he asked of his leaders in the church. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples the night before his crucifixion, and then he willingly gave himself to the world on the cross. A few things from Jesus' life, if you're saying he, wouldn't, he would never, you know, he's like, well, Jesus didn't have to do all the stuff we did. John 6, 38 through 40, Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven, not of my own will, but the will of him who sent me. what did he do? He heard the call from his father and he obeyed. He heard the call and he answered. John 6, 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given to me, I should lose nothing. What is he saying? I shepherded them. I oversaw them. I guarded them. I protected them. And he says, should raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone, that would be who? Everyone who sees the Son, have you seen the Son? And believes in him or trusted in him, have you believed and trusted in Jesus, everyone who does, if you haven't, you can today, everyone who does, he says, may have eternal life. In other words, you'll go to heaven and I will raise him up on the last day. Even in death, Jesus leads. Jesus says to all of us today, I'm not gonna be some cowboy behind all the bunch of you people there in New Jersey shooting my gun off. Woohoo, woohoo, you die before me and we'll see how it works out. No, Jesus went before us even in death. John 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus says, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life. That's what for us, setting an example. That I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. What is it? He's willing. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up. This command I have received from my father. It's right after that when he goes to call himself the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice. John 15, the night of the last supper after he's washed Jesus' feet, he says this, John 15, 11 through 14. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. What is he saying? I modeled it for you. I was an example for you. And now I'm commanding it from you. Now I'm telling you how to live your life. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That is the call of a leader. That's the call of a leader. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Isn't it interesting? A lot of people say, well, you know, as long as you believe in Jesus, you don't have to do what he says. He'll forgive everybody. Jesus, you're, you're not a friend of Jesus then. Jesus says, you're my friend if you do whatever I command you. Friend, let me ask you the most important question of this day for you if you're not a Christian. Are you so sure you're a friend of Jesus? And you can become one today, as many in this room have over the years, by just simply turning to God and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. As we saw last week, Jesus suffered immensely on the road to glory. And we said last week that the same promise of glory is made to all of the people of God. And here Peter says to church leaders, when the chief shepherd appears, he won't forget your service. You know, I think that, that we come to serve God really. I do anyway. And I appreciate all the letters and cards and 
nice words from all of you. Please, don't think I don't appreciate that. But at the end of the day, I'm looking for one thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm looking for that for you too. That's why I'm not going to lie to you. That's why I'm not going to hedge on the tough things of the Bible. I don't want you to meet Jesus and go, why didn't Pastor Jim tell us that stuff? No matter where you serve, no matter where you serve, sometimes all you have is God's calling to it. Sometimes that's all you have. And the confidence that Jesus keeps his promises. And here the reward is described as a crown of glory, an award given to athletes and soldiers. It's a public honor. And here it's one that is eternal. It does not fade away. And I love that Peter calls Jesus the chief shepherd, a reminder to all leaders that we are not in charge. Reminding to all leaders that this is a temporary assignment. And Jesus' future return is the motivation that we all diligently carry out our calling. You know, in the business world, people say like, well, if you work hard, you get this. Or if if we do this, we'll get that. Somehow in Christianity, we seem to lose that, but the Bible doesn't. The the Bible talks of, of, of a motivation for God remembering us and God rewarding us, and that's part of why we live our lives. Okay, I'm called to be a pastor. I need to do it to the glory of God. Some of you young moms, man, stop believing the stupid stuff this world is telling you, and you raise those kids to the glory of God. You're a dad, man. You lead your family to the glory of God. You're a business owner. You treat your employees well. You take care of your customers to the glory of God. And I bet you'll make a lot of money in the process. You're a worker. You do your best as if Jesus was your boss to the glory of God. And God has promised those who have put their trust in him, he will not count your sins against you, but he will remember everything you did for him. You do it not for the earthly rewards, not for the accolades of people. People will always disappoint you. We're always miserable, aren't we? There's always something wrong. We do it because Jesus is so much easier to please than people. We do it because we want to hear him say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And because of all of that, friend, my challenge to you today is, man, would you start going for it? I know so many people who are Christians who live in fear because they're going to think that they're going to disappoint God or they're going to ruin things. You are not going to disappoint God, right? These guys who wrote this Bible, they're long gone. And this thing is rolling like a steamroller. All it needs is the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and a few people to open their mouths and start telling people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The return of Jesus Christ is the hope for every committed follower of Jesus Christ, whether they are leading God's flock or God has called them to do something else. And one day, our suffering will end. One day, our hard work will end. Our work for the kingdom of God will end. And what those who never put their trust in Jesus Christ absolutely dread will be our greatest joy. The appearance 
of the chief shepherd who promises to reward those who faithfully serve him. You say, I got a lot of problems, Pastor Jim. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.